Well, right, let's, have, let's have, talk about conspiracies. I think we have some text messages. Just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Okay, conspiracies. It all started in the Garden of Eden. Satan conspired to destroy Adam and Eve via a lie. He actually turned the truth into a lie. It has continued to this day. According to one of the heads in the CIA, here we go. <laughs> as soon as it goes to the CIA, you're not going to have a great conspiracy. Uh, according to one of the heads in the CIA back in the 60s in an interview said that conspiracy theory motto was an invitation or an invention of the CIA to silence anyone who doesn't push their agendas. We've seen this happen over and over in our lifetime, especially the last few years. If you don't agree with the government propaganda, you will know about it very quickly. Many of the scientific achievements over the last 10 years have been staggering. Um, Say AI. I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss some of the mind control inventions. At the end of the day, isn't the last battle between God and Satan about Mm. a battle for the mind? We are not the ones coming out with these conspiracies, but the scientific community is. This is interesting. It's, a, it's actually true. Mm. Yeah, particularly during COVID, it's been the scientific community that's come out with all kinds. Of, well, the really wacko ones, maybe not. Not even just during COVID. Like, I think over the last twenty years, AI has been like such a big focus with yes, with and this is like coming from from art and media and this whole that's idea of exactly, the future conspiracy exactly. of AI. Like, yes, so many movies or or just like pieces of media that have been shared. And it's this whole idea of like what happens when AI takes over, you know. And see, this is the other aspect of why people, why conspiracy theories thrive, mm. and that is because we all know that. Art copies reality and then reality copies art. Mm. That goes in a cycle. And so we've seen art creating all kinds of government conspiracies for the last 20, 30 years about mind control, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. How long does it take before reality starts to copy art and is that already happening? You know, we can see places like in China where it's definitely taking place. Oh, Totally. Like, like it's almost, you know, George Orwell 1984-esque to think that the government is seeing you on cameras and tracking your social score. But that's, like, literally happening. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And so, you know, you've got... Oh, what was that? Um, anyway, I can't remember the name of a particular... Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. doesn't matter. <laughs> Does not matter. Um, I, think this, I think that's actually a really good point right there. Okay. Mm. Uh, great to hear that mums and dads are discriminating and can see the difference between good and evil and sending many of their children to Christian education. Let's face it, Christians have been discriminated by the government for a long time and it's only going to get worse. I hope not. Um, it's time for Christians to truly stand up and say enough is enough. May God do his strange act soon for our sakes. This is a, it was a really good interview with Michael Worker. One of the things that was jumping out to me is that this is a major piece of legislation and the, and the, and the impact that this has or could have on Christianity is beyond anything that has been done up until this particular point in Australia. Mm. The precedents that it is going to set are just, to be honest, quite terrifying for religious liberty. It's, it's pretty much creating a precedent which is the end of religious liberty in Australia. Yeah. And... Uh, it's all being done while we are all distracted fighting over the vaccine. Mm. Now, I will and have freely admitted that the vaccine does produce a freedom of conscience issue, not a religious liberty issue, but a freedom of conscience issue, and freedom of conscience issues are important. But when you weigh these two issues and you put them side by side, 
The freedom of conscience issue that you have with the vaccine is very small compared to the religious liberty issue that you have taking place in Victoria. Yeah, we're not allowed to pray. Very small. We're not allowed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and that's what's already been passed. This is the next step yeah. now. You know, they're like, yeah, we got away with that. Now we'll get away with this. Mm. And you know that they will not stop. And, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, and we've seen this happen so many times before. You know, you get a bit a, a major world event and everybody's attention suddenly turns somewhere else. You have 9 11. Yeah. You know, everybody's attention focuses on 9 11. What, 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 what happens? You know, Israel sends tanks into the Gaza Strip. Why do they do that? Because they know nobody's watching. Mm. You know, we, we, we see this happen again and again and again. It's like, okay, everybody's distracted and let's feed the. Uh, the vaccine debate and get everybody upset about the vaccine debate so that we can pass this through while they're not watching. And that's exactly what's happening. Dude, it's not just it, like, it's even, and this is something that I learned from secular sources. Like it's, it's the religious liberty debate, but it's also that just the privacy, you know, issue that we're having in Australia at the moment. If you've seen the recent re- legislation that has passed through parliament without parliament even sitting, uh, that is essentially that the the um, the New South Wales police force has the ability to uh, what is it add delete and modify and take control of your social media accounts your like you know your WhatsApp messages whatever it may be um, before getting approved for a warrant it's called the the safe monitoring bill that just passed like through Parliament no one was watching. Like, Parliament wasn't even sitting. Yes. They're just like, oh, hey, this is something that, you know, before John Barillara designed or whatever, hey, John Barillara signed off on this bill and now everyone can, um, you know, the, the everyone can invade your privacy. Like, like this is this is wild, like, the stuff that is happening. We're setting up, like, this, this is the thing, because people often point at Christians, and I even have other Christians often seeing, like, okay, but, wh- you know, where is this discrimination in Australia? Like, like, Okay, yeah, sure, it's happening in Victoria with the whole prayer thing, but where can you really say this persecution is happening? I'm like, no, but the precedents are being set to persecute. And we can now identify in Victoria that it's not only the precedents have been set to persecute, but there's also someone with a, with a motivation and an ideology that is willing to persecute Christianity, that is wanting and driven to persecute Christianity. And so you combine all that together and it's all happening. Like, And it's, it, the thing is about most conspiracies is that it happens before your very eyes. Yes. Yet no one's focusing on it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening in Australia. And I don't want to sit here and fear monger anything because we have oh. so much hope in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We're about to get into it. Okay, so Bruce has sent through a comment um, on the interview. We, uh, In regards to here, Bruce has this to say, we are under the lender. We shouldn't go f- to the government for financial aid because it ties us to them. Oh, we're no. getting to a time where we should consider closing our church schools and everyone homeschool. At this point, it is safer and better for the kids' spirituality. I'm just going to say this. Mm-hmm. Homeschooling is definitely the ideal. Mm. Homeschool kids, there's a reason why homeschool kids are cliche as being the smartest kids the over- on the planet, well, yeah, the overachievers. Like the overachievers who completed year three at year six, like at six years old. Like- That's right. <laughs> Completed year six at three years old. Yeah, that there is a reason for that. You get a much better education in a homeschool environment and parents have the right to be able to choose what ideology their children receive, which is what we need. 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Actually, speaking about being in debt to the government, I've got a ton of ex <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? All right. Uh, let me see here. Okay. All right. Let's go to our Bible study. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible contradicts itself. Let's go there. Oh, chapter which one? Chapter 5, verse 3. The Bible contradicts itself? Yes, it does. Wow, you can't say that. I just did. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay. It's in our Bible study. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, let's go there. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 3. The Bible says, The Lord did not make this covenant with our ancestors, but with all of us who are alive today. All right. Um, There you go. Moses says, didn't make this covenant with their ancestors. The Bible does contradict itself. It does. Doesn't the Bible say that the covenant was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Doesn't the Bible say that the covenant was made with Adam and Eve? Doesn't the Bible say that the covenant was made with... Don't we have the covenant being made with their ancestors at Mount Sinai? Mm. Yikes. What are you going to do here, Lord? It's just Um, just tear this page out or just toss the whole Bible? No, because this is Deuteronomy 5. The rest is like the Ten Commandments. I can't tear it out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. Um, So what's going on here is that Moses is emphasizing the fact that their father is now gone. Mm-hmm. And the any covenant was that was made with their fathers is now irrelevant. Mm. And yeah. that's the simple reality. Is that when God comes to you with the covenant, it is for you. Mm. It's not for your ancestors. This covenant is for you. And God is not making it with your ancestors at this point. He's making this covenant with you. Yeah. I can foresee this Bible study. Maybe we're heading over to the book of Romans to, to talk about the covenant. But for right now, like, uh, you know, because Romans very much shares the idea that, uh, like, this covenant is, is for everyone. It doesn't matter Jew nor Greek nor whatever. And that's a, that's a really good point. Like, you know, for these people as well, being that they, the majority of them didn't see the miracles in Egypt, that they, you know, they weren't the ones who disobeyed God and got stuck in the wilderness. And maybe they can feel as though, oh, man, I'm born into a situation where God hasn't made any promises to me and I'm I'm receiving the consequences and my life is just kind of set out by what my parents have done. Mm. But no, he's making like the express point like, oh, no, you're you're not my grandchildren. Like, this is what God is saying. Like, you're not my grandchildren. You're not having a relationship because of the strengths and weaknesses with me because of the strengths and weaknesses of your ancestors, of your family. Like, no, no. Like, again, I am wanting to be with you in this day. I'm wanting you to. And this is why it's followed by the Ten Commandments as well. It's like, I made this promise, you know, this covenant with the the people, your parents, you know, around the Ten Commandments. And he's like, he's not saying that, oh, now that they're gone and dead and, you know, they failed or whatever it may be, oh, now it's done away with. Like, he's making the the exact point, like, no, 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 this is for you too. And that's why it's followed by the second iteration that we see in the Pentateuch of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's, um, let's, yeah, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just jump from there. Let me... <laughs> Let me jump from that point and talk about uh, how the covenant applies to us as an individual because Ooh, I think wow. when, when, when Moses here uh, says, this is not the covenant that was made with the fathers, this is a covenant I'm making with you. Mm. Even though the covenant is the everlasting covenant, it's exactly the same as every covenant that God has made with his people. He's emphasizing the point here that um, the covenant is 
not something that exists in history. It exists in the present for mm. the individual. And the reason I say that this is important is because you will find within Christianity and within other religions and within the Jewish religion this issue of DNA salvation. Mm. And DNA salvation was something that the Jewish people in the time of Jesus had very, very strong because they said, we have Abraham to our father. Yeah. And God made a covenant with Abraham. Mm. And they rely on the covenant made with Abraham. And what God is saying in this particular passage here, Deuteronomy 5 and verse 3, is that it's not about the covenant made with Abraham. Yeah. It's the covenant's made with you. Wow. Don't be looking at the covenant made with Abraham. Ask yourself the question, do you and I, do we have a covenant together mm. as individuals at this point in time? And I see the same thing in Christianity where you will find uh, that, and you'll find this with some of the more you know longer established churches, like say for instance the Roman Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, uh, where people will you know ask them, "Are you a Christian?" "Yeah, I'm a Christian." Uh, "Oh, really? What faith?" And they'll be like, "Oh, Roman Catholic, Orthodox," but they don't practice their faith. Yeah, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't know Jesus for themselves, and and yet they feel fine because there's like, well, you know, there's all of these uh, safety nets that have been created by the church so that I can you know still be saved. Mm. Um, I've just got to you know tick a few different boxes here and, and, and I'm good to go. Mm. You know, I was baptized when I was a baby and I go to church at Christmas and Easter and I say confession once a year and, you know, I'm good. Yeah, if I do the sacraments on my deathbed, then yep. I'm going to make it, yeah. Yep, and uh, because I was born a Catholic. Mm. And what God is saying is just because you were born as a descendant of Abraham, that does not mean that the covenant is yours. Wow. It's not yours until it becomes yours individually as a person. And so, you know, we look at the Jews and say, oh, you know, they were looking back at Abraham, but Christians, which is bad. We're like, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I don't need to change. I don't need to change anything about myself because, you know, I was, I was born into this particular religion and that's where I'm saved. And evangelicals will, you know, um, be very, very happy about it and like, well, you know, we're not like the uh, mainstream churches, you know, that have all of these safety nets. Uh, we believe that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, but they have exactly the same problem because they will date their salvation to a particular point in time. And at that point in time, they will say that's when they got saved and that that salvation can never, ever, ever be lost. And so their salvation is still historical. Mm. And this is really what God is uh, dealing with in this passage is that salvation is not historical. Salvation is present. Yes, Salvation is something that you live and something that you practice and something that is a part of your life. Yeah. Anyway, that's a really, really powerful verse right there in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 3. We can't afford to skip over that one while we're talking about the covenant in the book of uh, Deuteronomy. Let's go to our next verse, which is chapter 18 and verse 9. uh, Changing subject a little bit here. Chapter 18 and verse 9. Chapter 18 and verse 9. I read up to, what did I read? Chapter 16 this morning. It's... Good stuff. All right, eighteen and verse nine. The Bible says, "When you enter the land, or uh, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful uh, not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there." Okay, so this goes really well with the last passage that we were looking at. Actually, I thought we were changing gears, but we're actually not changing gears here, because this verse would be irrelevant if the covenant was historical. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's been given to Abraham, 
then if it's been given to Abraham and it applies to all of us and we're just saved because of DNA and because of something that happened in the past, then why would we be concerned about following the abominations of the other nations? Mm. We're children of Abraham. What can go wrong? Yeah, I gave my right. life to Jesus 15 years ago. What can go wrong? Dude, that's such a crazy point because by the time you get down to like the Jews in Jesus' time, they're like, oh, yes, we're saved through the seed of Abraham. Yeah, we're, we're sons of Abraham. But then they perform like wild mental gymnastics and they're like, so we must do everything to protect and preserve our culture. And if you stray one part, you are like done. You're like, it's over for you. Like then they, they turn to like rigid legalism in the face of, of like DNA salvation. It doesn't make any sense, but like, it's like, how did that, how does that even happen? And you could say then it was very much a cultural thing. And, and, you know, maybe even uh, if you want to get a little bit speculative, the incorrect interpretation of the, the commandments that, um, or the, uh, the advice that Nehemiah had given them in terms of like, Hey, don't, deal with foreigners because it'll lead you astray. And then they were like, okay, well, let's just become total racists and hate everyone around us now. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> what happens. And, you know, when they read they read uh, passages like this, because this is a passage that Nehemiah would have sent them to. Nehemiah would have been like, well, it says in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 9, don't get involved in the abominations of the nations around you. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, we're going to become the superior race. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, dude, it's so intense. <laughs> That's a bit of a jump, but it's the jump, it's the leap they took. Mm. But we see, again, like, if we can, you know, be interpretive with this passage and, and think about it in the context of, of in which it's given as well, it's, we see the the reality that, yeah, again, their, their, salvation, their salvation is present and they are at risk of losing their connection with God by practicing the, these things that the other nations practice, like child sacrifice and things like that. Super heavy situation here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, a couple of uh, text messages come through. The first one is uh, talking about child sacrifice. Isn't abortion the same thing? Sacrifice them for selfishness and personal desire. Oof. And that's... A strong statement. Unfortunately, a lot of the time it's true. Mm. Not always by any stretch of the imagination. Yes. Uh, a lot of agony goes into that decision with a lot of people, and I get that. Uh, but even still, even when a lot of agony goes into that decision, a lot of it still boils down to, in the long run, selfishness. Yeah. Uh, but not always. But, yeah. We we need to we need to point that out, and we had another text message from the other Raphael. We have two Raphaels texting us, so that gets confusing. Yeah. Um, the other one said sent something through a positive about mosquitoes. Yeah, essentially. No, they, I don't want to know about it. Essentially, they said that like the majority of the mosquitoes, well, all male mosquitoes like don't suck blood. Um, only female mosquitoes suck blood, and that is because it helps with like ovulation and whatnot. You know, as they're like planting their eggs and different things. Um, and simultaneously, they eat like nectar mm. and also pollinate things and they're a good food source for like fish and birds but you know what i don't care like let's just have bees you know what else is yeah that's right you know bees. what else is a good pollinator bees and you know what else fish and, and birds can eat uh, fish can eat plankton and birds bees. can eat bees i guess so bee eaters yeah bee, bee eaters living near our house that's right they're pretty cool mm-hmm 
All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 16 to 19. Oh, I mate. think if you let Lawson and I in charge of the world, you'll have uh, ecological collapse, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's right, okay. That's, uh, right. that's all right. Um, Deuteronomy 26, 16 to 19, please, Lawson. The Bible says, Today the Lord your God has commanded you to obey all these decrees and regulations, so be careful to obey them wholeheartedly. You have declared today... That the, the, that the Lord is your God, and you have promised to walk in his ways and to obey his decrees, commands, and regulations, and to do everything he tells you. The Lord has declared today that you are his people, his own special treasure, just as he promised, and that you must obey all his commands. And if you do, he will set you up high above all other nations he has made. Then you will receive praise, honor, and renown. You will be a nation that is holy to the Lord your God, just as he promised. Okay, this is an interesting passage here, and it's interesting to see how it begins there in verse 16 with this day. How does your translation put it right there? Today. Today. This day. Mm -hmm. In other words, forget any other covenant. Wow. Forget the covenant that was made with your ancestors at Mount Sinai. Forget the covenant that was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Forget the covenant that was made with Adam and Eve this day, right now, today. Mm. This is what the covenant is all about. And it's about you and I. You could say that, like, as well, that's a really good point because you could say that the children of Israel have failed the covenant up until that yes. point, like the previous generation. Yes. And it's like, oh, so we failed, is that it? And then God, like, says again, like, no, this is this is for you too. Like, this is for you. Powerful. Yes, and, of course, you know, it comes again through in the next verse where, you know, you have avouched the Lord this day. Now, there's a word you don't hear very often this, these days. But you promised. Mm. This day. You've done it this day. This, mm. is, this is not about the past. This is all about uh, the present. And, uh, and, and, and so this is, you know, why you've got this whole issue of the covenant being renewed right here at this particular time. So let's compare this with uh, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Let's head over there real quick. John 14 and verse 6. Mm-hmm. Just turning the pages all the way into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth of the the the, the fourth of the Gospels. John chapter 14 and verse 6. That's the one. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Okay, so here's the question, is why is the idea of this day uh, committed to God and to his covenant requirements relevant even to us this day, today? Well, Jesus shares here that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. like, And it's through having, you know, a repentant, confessed relationship with Christ. So it's not your church that is the way, the truth, and the life. No. It is not your parents who is the way, the truth. It's not your priest or pastor that is the way, the truth, and the life. It is not your heritage. It's not your DNA that is the way, the nope. truth, and the life. Although, you know, if if you could be from Australia, then that's pretty close. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking around. And what does that even mean? It's not heritage. It's just location because we're so multicultural. But no, it is not. It is not. It is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and it is Jesus that we need to have today, this day, mm. right now. And so if you look back at what we have here in Deuteronomy where, you know, Paul goes over and over and over and over the covenant again and again and again and again. And what's interesting is that he says uh, a little bit further down here, the Lord has avouched this day 
to be his peculiar people. Now, peculiar, that's Old English once again, mm. and we say, no, that's not Old English because we still have that word today. Yes, we do have that word, but we've changed the meaning of it. Yes. Because these days, peculiar is weird. Yes. In Old English, peculiar was special. Yeah, wow. It was unique. Mm. It was valuable. And that was, you know, if you had a peculiar gem, it wasn't a weird one. It was something that was a one-off. Yeah, yeah. And it was unique. And this is what God is saying about us as human beings. Every single one of us as an individual is a one-off. We are unique. We are peculiar because we are the only one of us that ever has existed or ever will exist. Do you love the way that God created reproduction in such a way that uh, the way it works is that you will never, ever, ever have two people the same? That's right. Never going to exist. And God loves every single one of us. He died for every single one of us. He cares immeasurably for every single one of us, and he cares for you as the listener today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. Who sent this one through? Okay, so Jenny has sent through a question, and that question essentially is kind of a follow-on from what we're talking about in our news section and what we've been mentioning throughout the show. Well, how do you feel about changing God's design, modifying food and mosquitoes and all those different things? Yeah, okay, so this is an interesting one. So what are they, genetically modified the mosquitoes so that they couldn't... Uh, they were so sterile. They were basically sterile and they wouldn't breed, in it, and, and the mosquito population plummeted, and along with that, the uh, disease carried by those mosquitoes, whatever that disease might be, plummeted as well. And I'm like, this is a great thing. Let's have a world without mosquitoes. Mm. And then somebody sent us another message to say, well, you know, a world without mosquitoes, lots of birds and fish are going to starve and lots of of plants aren't Mm. going to be pollinated. And so it raises all kinds of questions. How far do we go in messing with God's creation? It's interesting this person mentioned food as well because I believe it was last week or the week before I talked about gene-edited food. Yes. And how, you know, they can make, you know, different animals and different foods and different things without diseases because you can go in there and just snip stuff out and, yeah. Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God gave human beings dominion over the planet. Mm -hmm. And so when God gave human beings dominion over the planet, that dominion simply means that human beings are the custodians, they are the stewards, they are the managers of this planet. And we were to we are to manage this planet to God's glory and honor. Okay, so how far do we go with messing with God's design? Well, we've got to remember that mosquitoes were never designed by God to drink blood. Yes. That's not God's design. That's got nothing to do with God's design. That's Satan's design. That's there as a result of sin in our world. And so you have aspects of nature that are God's design. You have aspects of nature that are Satan's, Satan messing with God's design. And then you have other aspects where human beings have messed with God's design. And where do you draw the line? Okay, if you just let everything grow naturally as God created it to grow, then you have no such thing as agriculture because that is not natural. It's unnatural to do any form of agriculture. And yet clearly Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden to do agriculture. And so God is not promoting, when God made us, gave us dominion over the world and made us stewards of the world, God was not promoting the idea that we never, ever mess with nature. 
Mm. He's like, no, go out and uh, and do something amazing with this garden. And so there's lots of things that we do with plants where we get them to grow in an unnatural way because we want to produce crops or we want to produce you know a decorative um, you know tree or whatever. How far do we then take that with the animal kingdom? And this is where we need to, and even with the plant kingdom, so let's talk about uh, GME food and genetically rewritten food, all that kind of stuff, and let's look at the world in which we live. You've kind of got two options. You, With mass-produced food, which we have in our world and which is unavoidable, uh, you have the option between having your um, heavily pesticized, herbicided food or the genetically modified food that has a whole lot less pesticides on it. Which one would you prefer to have? I don't know the answer to that question. Mm. It's one of the challenges of living in the modern age. I don't know which one is better for my health. Um, I wish that I could just eat all organic all the time, and some people do that, but that's pretty challenging. Um, but then let's move on to animals. Okay, how much if we go if we're going to mess with plants? How much permission do we have to have to mess with animals? And I think as you work up through the kingdom that God has given to us, the responsibility increases at every step. So there is much higher level of responsibility now when we start to mess with animals. Is it right or is it wrong to mess with animals to make our world a better place? Okay, what we've got to remember is that our world is an incredibly broken place. Yes. And as stewards, as managers of our world, we need to be able to manage it in a sinful environment in the best way possible for God's glory and honour. And so if we are going to do something like genetically modified mosquitoes, then we we need to do thorough tests so that we can do this for God's glory and honour, understanding that we are doing this as a necessity because of the curse of sin that exists in the world. Then when you go up from animals, you're going to a much higher level, you're going to human beings, and you start messing with human beings, you're starting to mess with the image of God, you don't go there. Mm. Human beings were created in the image of God, every single one as an individual. Do not touch human beings. Okay, let's uh, continue on now. This is John Bryant with, no, this is Anthem Lights with Reckless Love. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.